0: Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for gathering us here tonight. We thank you, Father, that uh, that our salvation is is not dependent upon our own uh, selves, our own flawed beings, Lord, but uh, but on you and on your perfect Son. We thank you, Father, that we have the the blessed assurance of peace with you. And of the hope that uh, that you so abundantly shed forth upon us, Lord, our are looking forward to to meeting those that have gone on before us one day. And Lord, we do so look forward to it. We want to pray for Vern and his family tonight as they uh, as they deal with the loss of their mother and mother-in-law. and uh, father, we we thank you for the for the comfort. That you give us at uh, at times like these, Lord, that that the the veil of death is is pulled back in your word and by your spirit, so that we can see beyond it and take hope and even rejoice. And Father, tonight we pray that you would guide us in your word and teach us in our Savior's name. Amen. Amen. Okay, Romans and chapter eleven, we. Um, Went over this passage in verse 11 through 15 last week, and what I'd like to do is kind of take take an angle of this that we didn't really touch on in Romans chapter 11, verse 11. I say then, Paul says, have they stumbled? He's talking about the nation of Israel. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall, God forbid, but rather, through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles, for to provoke them to jealousy. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office if by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead alright now we've been talking in this uh, portion of scripture about the the state of the nation of Israel today and that's Paul's uh, driving point here in, in Romans 9, 10 and 11 and here in these verses, in particular, throughout this whole uh, portion of the epistle, but especially here in chapter eleven, and especially here in the in these few verses, Paul is explaining to us the um, the the state of Israel in God's program today, where they are, uh, the state of the Gentiles in. Contrast in juxtaposition to to Israel, and what he is explaining to us here in these few verses is the the doctrine of Luke's narrative in the book of Acts. What you see here in these few verses, Israel's stumble uh, and fall in verse eleven. Have they stumbled that they should fall? So there's a stumbling. Then there's a fall. Have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles. So there's a stumbling, then and then there's a fall, and that's subsequent to the to the stumbling, after the stumbling. Then there is in verse twelve, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? So there's a stumble, there's a fall, there's a diminishing. And then in verse 15, for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world. So there are those four stages of the, uh, of the doing away of the nation of Israel. They stumble, they fall, they diminish, and then they are cast away. And what, uh, where you see the actual history, and the narrative of those events taking place is in the book of acts that is the purpose of the book of acts is to show you know it's the 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 letter that luke wrote there is called the acts of the apostles that's the the title that the church has put on it but the purpose of the book is not to show the acts of the apostles the purpose of the book is to show exactly what paul is talking about in these verses the fall the diminishing and the casting away of the nation of israel that's the point of the book of acts it's not to show the infancy of the church. It's not to show all the wonderful miracles that the apostle does, or that the apostles did. It does all those things. But its focus and its purpose is given to us doctrinally here in these verses in Romans 11. So, in other words, Paul gives us the doctrine, Luke gives us the narrative, he gives us the history uh, that plays out the doctrine that Paul is giving us here. So, and I, I've said to you before, come, come back with me to uh, Luke 13, if you would, that if it were not for the book of Acts, if, if your Bible was Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans you would have no idea of what was going on here in this book of Romans. Because when you leave Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, salvation is of the Jews. Uh, and, and Jesus Christ is ignoring and turning away Gentile uh, seekers and telling them it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. The Romans, at the end of those Gospels, crucify the Messiah. So, if you were to go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, turn the page after after John and see an epistle of Paul the Apostle. For one, who is that? He's not. You didn't see him in the Gospels. He's you. you saw the twelve apostles. You know what their names are, and Paul's not one of them. So, in a, it's an epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Romans, to the to the murderers of Christ it would make no sense whatsoever and then you start reading romans about how uh how you gentiles are uh, are in christ and have salvation in in christ you would be you would be totally confounded and confused it's the book of acts that is the bridge between the gospels and The epistles, the Pauline epistles. Um, The book of Acts shows the history that was necessary for for the doctrinal transition. The doctrine of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the doctrine of Romans has a wide gap. That, that, that is, that's bridged by the history of the book of Acts and the things that took place there that lead you from point A to point B. In the same way, if it were not for the book of Romans and your Bible went Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts and then skipped the book of Romans, you wouldn't know what was going on in the book of Acts. Because Paul, again, there in Romans 11 and throughout the epistle, explains to you the history that you're seeing in the book of Acts. So, so you would come out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus Christ ministering to the Jews, to the nation of Israel. Uh, they crucify him. The Romans crucify him. The apostles go out with the Holy Spirit and start uh, ministering to Israel. And telling them, look, we know that you did what you did through ignorance. God has given you another chance. Okay, I got that much. But then all of a sudden, in comes this Saul guy who is a persecutor of the church, gets converted, and goes out and starts up these Gentile churches. And you'd be looking at that through the Book of Acts, and you'd be going, "What's going on here? This doesn't make any sense. This is not how it was supposed to go. Israel has to get saved first, then the Gentiles come in. That's the prophetic program. That's how it's supposed to go." The Book of Romans explains the history that you're reading in the Book of Acts. So, Acts explains the gives the back. Drop for the doctrine of Romans and Romans gives the doctrine for the narrative of the book of Acts um, and it is no accident that those books uh, are laid out the way they are in the order that they are in your Bible I used to, no. I used to think that the uh, letter of Paul to the Romans was to the Roman Catholic Church you know, mm. in its infancy before it actually became yeah. an apostate church but that's probably not yeah um well, it was to the saints at Rome. The Roman Catholic Church would have been about two three hundred years later but um yeah well the uh the well any time you you have the uh the church begins to grow you're always going to have splits and branches and things so so there was always a line of true believers there. But yes, by and large, the the church when it got uh, federalized and, and 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 became the state religion and so forth, it it apostatized into into the monstrosity that that it is now. Um, the and it was Paul that wrote to them, by the way, not Peter, by the way, uh, as far as the Roman Catholic Church goes. Okay, Luke chapter thirteen. Now Luke gives us a uh, a parable here in um, in in the thirteenth chapter of his gospel, and it, and he's the only one that does. And it's interesting because Luke again is the author of the book of Acts, and and Luke gives us this parable that that uh, that helps us understand uh, the the first portion of of his history of the book of Acts, Luke chapter thirteen, verse six, and he Jesus spake. Also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and he sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he under the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answered and said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it and if it bear fruit well and if not then after that thou shalt cut it down now the uh the the vineyard the the fig tree there the fig tree is a is a uh, is a is a type of the nation of Israel throughout the bible uh the vine dresser is um is the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes here, Adam being the type God put Adam in the garden to dress and to keep it. He was a, Adam was a, was a vine dresser, the first Adam, as was the last Adam. Uh, so he comes for three years, and he's trying to get some fruit out of this fig tree, and it's not producing fruit. Matthew chapter 3, we don't have to go there. When John first arrived, he said, The axe is laid to the root of the trees, and every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. So, the, so God's looking for fruit from the nation of Israel. He's looking for the fruits of the kingdom, and he's not finding it. And he's, and he's there for three years, trying to cultivate it, trying to get it to, to grow and to, and to produce fruit. Nothing. So God says, Okay, time's up. It's been it's been three years, we're getting nothing out of this thing. Cut it down. And Christ says, Well, hold on a minute. He says, Give me one more year. Give me one more year. Don't cut it down just yet. Let me see, let me try something here. Give me another year and let's see if we can get some fruit out of it. And if at the end of that time it still doesn't bear fruit, then we can cut it down. Now that year that you're that you're getting is come with me to Acts chapter seven. The Lord is here for three years and He's crucified. And you say, Well, that's where Israel fell. They they crucified their Messiah. No. That's where Israel stumbled. Remember, we've looked at that. They, they stumbled at that stumbling stone. Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be ashamed. Paul says that we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block. The Jews stumbled at the cross. They didn't fall at the cross. What does Paul say? Have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. They didn't stop. They didn't fall when they stumbled. Then he says, "But rather through their fall." So, so they did fall. They just didn't fall when they stumbled. They stumbled at the cross. They fell later. How much later? Well, according to that parable, about a year later. About a year later, you come here to Acts chapter seven. Up to this time, the apostles have been ministering to the nation of Israel to the children of Israel. And Peter says to them, if you were here on Sunday, we, uh, we were in Leviticus and we looked at the uh, sacrificial system and you'll remember that uh, the sacrifices were provided for sins of ignorance. There were no, Hebrews says, if we sin willfully after that we've received the knowledge of the truth, there is no more sacrifice for sin, talking about that sacrificial system, that Aaronic priesthood and the things that they did. Do you the, which one that was? Which, which sacrifice? Yes, which the was. sin offering and the trespass offering are for sins of ignorance. Do you which chapter? In Leviticus, it would have been chapter seven or eight. It 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 deals with them in two different aspects. There's the first four chapters, and then chapters five through eight go over them again in from another angle. So it's chapters one through eight. Uh, so Peter comes to them and he says, "Look, you came and you crucified the, the the Prince of Peace. You killed the Son of God. But I know that through ignorance you did it." Here we're here. Let's look at the look at the uh, at the passage in um, in Acts chapter three. We're, well, we're in seven, but as long as I'm talking about this verse and we're right here, let's take a look at it. Acts chapter 3, this is Peter speaking to the children of Israel, to the nation here, and um. Verse 12, you'll see that. When Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel. Why marvel marvel ye at this? So you know who he's talking to. Verse 17, And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance you did it. He's saying, verse 15, You killed the prince of life and so forth. But he's giving them an out here. He's saying you did it through ignorance, as did also your rulers. So there's still a chance there's still a chance for you to repent. And that's what he, uh, Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and so forth. So that's what you see in the first six chapters of the book of Acts. Here in Acts chapter 7, enter Stephen. And Stephen is a man, not one of the apostles, but one of the seven uh, chosen to uh, uh, serve tables. And he's a man full of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom that they couldn't uh, resist, couldn't gainsay against. And he uh, he begins preaching to these guys in Acts chapter seven, and finally he's they're not responding. In verse fifty-one, Acts chapter seven, verse fifty-one. He says, you, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have, your father, have, have not your fathers persecuted? They slain them, which showed before the coming of the Just One, of whom ye have now uh, been the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. Now, Stephen is uh, the first martyr. The... uh, the Jews now have you notice he says you do always resist the Holy Ghost. Jesus told those folks, he says, Look, you've been you've been blaspheming my Father. That'll be forgiven you. You've blasphemed me. That'll be forgiven you. But you blaspheme the Holy Ghost and that will not be forgiven you, not in this world, nor in that which is to come. And that's what the nation is doing here as they uh, continue to resist the ministry of the Holy Spirit. They they rejected the, the ministry of the Father through John the Baptist. They rejected the ministry of the Son and the Lord Jesus Christ, and here they reject the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the apostles, and they uh, allowed the murder of John They demanded the murder of Christ and they committed the murder of Stephen. And with the stoning of Stephen, the fall of Israel finally occurs. They stumble at the cross, but they're not down yet. They're not out. Peter is giving them another chance. And you see that through the first six chapters of the book of Acts, but here, after the stoning of Stephen, chapter 8, and Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So now this church that has been growing and building thousands at a time in Jerusalem, all of a sudden, uh, uh, like a uh, like a bowling ball, uh, crashing into a rack of pins, just scattered at this event. Now, what you're seeing here, come back to Luke again, chapter 19. Because the Lord foretold this event also here the um, Israel's last chance as it were with the apostles and the and the saints again Stephen wasn't even an apostle he was uh, he was the first martyr now while you're turning to Luke 19 I want you to note and we won't go all into it because we could spend the whole time on this but you notice that Stephen looks up into heaven and he sees the Lord standing on the right hand of God now you and I know that uh, that the Lord is seated at the right hand of God Paul tells us that the Bible tells us that several times but the time comes when he will rise when he will stand what did David say Psalm 110 the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. And when the Lord rises up, when, when, James, when, when uh, uh, Stephen sees him standing, he's getting ready to come back. He's getting ready. The time of making his foes his footstool is there. They're right up to the prophetic clock is ticking, and it's time for the wrath of God to be poured out on this world right there in Acts chapter 7 when you see it. And the stoning of Stephen would have done it if not for the grace of God that Paul explains to us in the book of Romans and in all of his epistles. So that's where where you are uh, prophetically. The Lord is not standing to you know say hi, Stephen, come on up. He's standing to come back. He's seated at the right hand of the Father until the day of His wrath. Uh, Luke chapter nineteen. <clears throat> Luke chapter nineteen. We have uh, we have another parable here, and um, verse eleven. The Lord says, And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom, and to return. Now, of course, he's talking about himself ascending up into heaven, uh, and later... To return, and he called his ten servants, and he delivered them ten pounds, and said unto them, "Occupy till I come." That's what we see happening in the book of Acts. The 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 servants, the messengers of the of the Lord, uh, he goes away and he says, "Occupy till I come. You've got work to do." until I return. So that's what we see happening through those first several chapters of the book of Acts. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying we will not have this man to reign over us. Now, let me ask you, a king goes into, a nobleman goes into a far country and you want to send a message after him, they don't have internet they don't have email. They don't have cell phones. you got to send somebody. Stephen was that messenger that they sent after the Lord Jesus Christ to tell him, we will not have you to reign over us. So, with the stoning of Stephen, there back in Acts chapter 7, the nation of Israel rejects Messiah in full and God in turn uh, allows them to fall. Now, you say okay, so they stumble at the cross, they fall here in Acts chapter 7 so that's it. Jews are done it's body of Christ time well, not so fast yes sir? Is that when they started persecuting the church in Jerusalem? the uh paul yeah in chapter 8 there that that persecution starts and it's and it's Saul who's the leader of that uh of that rebellion yeah and 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 you know in that same vein when we read in in Romans where we are where Paul keeps saying you know my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved he says brethren you know i speak the truth I could wish that I were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Because Paul, he facilitated his nation's fall. He was the guy. They all uh, gathered around and stoned Stephen, but they laid their, their coats at Paul at Saul's feet. He facilitated the thing. The Apostle Paul knew throughout his life and ministry that he facilitated the fall of his nation. So he has this tremendous uh, 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 burden for these people, his kinsmen according to the flesh. And he tells us, over and over again about his past life and how he persecuted the church and and did all of those things and calls himself less than the least of all saints because of it. So that always weighed uh, on him, knowing that this was part of the program. Still, it's kind of like Judas saying, "Well, Christ had to be crucified. Well, yeah, but you're still the guy. You know, you're still the one who betrayed him." Um, so. So here now, beginning here now in Acts chapter seven, we uh, the the nation of Israel falls. But I say beginning here because remember, there's a stumbling, there is a fall, and then there is a diminishing. So the nation of Israel is not uh, is not done here in chapter seven. They fall here, but the here. At the fall the diminishing begins. And everything focuses on Jerusalem and the temple, and it's all about the Jews, and it's all about Israel here in Acts one through six and seven. But right here at the at the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter eight, all of a sudden they're scattered, and you start seeing things going on in Samaria and in and in different Phoenicia and in in different parts. Then chapter nine We see Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. And, uh, and he gets converted, verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, "Lord, what wilt thou have me to do?" And the Lord said unto him, "Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do." And 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 Paul is uh, over a, a a course of time and in a series of revelations, given uh, the dispensation of the mystery, the the revelation of of, of doctrine for for this age, but it. It doesn't, it doesn't end here and start here. There is a diminishing of Israel as there is an ascent of the body of Christ. And that's what you have through the rest of the book of Acts. So, at the end of the Gospels, the crucifixion, the stumbling. Acts chapter 7, the stoning of Stephen, the fall. Acts chapter 7 through chapter 28 through the end of the book the diminishing of the nation of Israel and and as Paul goes out on his apostolic journeys he goes a little way the first time from Antioch and and uh and does things in the in the cities around there then he comes back then his second journey he goes out farther into the next continent and he does his ministry there, and he comes back. And then finally, he's taken all the way into Europe uh, in chains, uh, and he goes to Rome. And so what you see in the book of Acts is that Jerusalem and Israel get smaller and smaller and smaller, further and further away, diminishing, diminishing, diminishing. So what Luke is giving us is that history of how that uh, of how that all occurred. Now, in uh, in the actual steps and the and the record, what you want to get is you want to get chapter thirteen, chapter eighteen, and chapter twenty-eight uh, Acts. We're in the in the book of Acts. Sorry. Um, Acts chapter 13, and you want to uh, uh, make a note of where these three passages are. 13, 18, 28. Those are the chapters. What year is 28? Did you say 60-something? 60, uh, 60, 63 to 66, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in the... Uh, In the meeting in chapter 13 in um, Antioch, Saul and Barnabas are separated. Verse 2, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. You remember back in chapter 9, he said, It will be told you what you must do. Um, So here he says, Okay, it's time. Separate them out for the work. Now Paul goes out, uh, and, and it Talks about the cities that he goes into and so forth, and in um, the city in Antioch, all the way in uh, go to verse forty-four. We don't have time to uh, to read through the whole thing here, although you should verse 44, Acts 13, 44, we'll start there. The next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. They're coming into the synagogue. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. So the Jews got their synagogue. They're doing their Sabbath day thing every, every week. And they're a little, a little group of faithful Jews like, like, like us here. Not that we're faithful Jews, but we're a little group. Um, and then all of a sudden, here comes this guy, Paul, and the whole, the whole city now is, is flooding the, uh, the synagogue and they want to hear what's going on. So the, the, the Jews, uh, rather than rejoicing, uh, they, uh, they, they, they get jealous. Uh, they're filled with envy. Um, the, uh, and the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy, spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. And Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary... That the word of God should first have been spoken to you. How, how many times do you remember through, through the book of Romans? To the Jew first. He says it was necessary, but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles so the the nation of Israel has fallen, and Paul now he goes out, and he 's still going to the Jew first, because remember the, the 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 fall is not the casting away there is in between the fall and the casting away, there is the diminishing so that 's what we 're seeing here so Paul goes out he, and, and this is the uh, 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 the edge of his first apostolic journey. Um, in in this general area here he goes into the synagogue like he always did preaches to them they reject it the Gentiles get it and Paul says lo we turn to the Gentiles so that's number one after the fall strike one Acts chapter 18 chapter 18 strike two after these things Paul uh, departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila and let's skip down um, verse 5 and when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ and when they opposed themselves and blasphemed sound familiar he shook his raiment and he said unto them your blood be on your own heads I am clean from henceforth I will go to the Gentiles strike 2 Acts chapter 28. These things are happening, by the way, on three separate continents, three separate land masses. The further he goes, he goes out to the extremity of his, uh, of his journey, declares that judgment. Um, I'm leaving the Jews alone. I'm going out to the Gentiles. Then the next city he goes into, he goes right back to the Jews. See, the, the, the idea is these are not once-and-for-all declarations. It's a diminishing. I'm, I'm, I'm giving them up here, and I'm going to the Gentiles here. Now I'm going to come to this city and try the Jews. They reject. I'm giving them up here, and I'm and I'm going to the Gentiles. So there is that... Uh, they're getting smaller and smaller, less and less a part of what God is doing. What were you going to say? It's not, it's not like you put it persisted... In. And continue to go to the synagogue day after day or week after week, and continue to preach to the Jews. Yeah, I mean they actually kicked him out. Yeah, right, like right. He was opposed. I mean, it's not because exactly, be in... exactly. Well, and his life was in danger. Yeah. But even the Lord told his apostles, you know, there comes a time when you just have to shake the dust off your feet and and move on. Uh, and then finally, Acts chapter twenty-eight. And strike three. But I want you to notice the difference in the language here. For up until now, it was, I go to the Gentiles. Now here in Acts chapter 28, um, he's talking to in the uh, uh, synagogue, verse 23, 3. And when they had appointed him a day, there came to him, He's in Paul's in Rome now, uh, many to his lodging, uh, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuaded them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people, and say, Hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and not perceive. For the heart of this people that's Israel, is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have they closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. And it goes on for three more verses there, and the book ends. So now it's not just Paul being in one synagogue and saying, or in one continent or in one city saying, okay, I'm leaving you Jews, I'm going to the Gentiles. Here in Acts chapter 28, the salvation of God is sent to the Gentiles, the salvation of God leaves Israel. John chapter 4, Jesus told that Samaritan woman, Salvation is of the Jews. As of Acts 28.28, that is no longer true. And the the nation is cast away. They stumble at the cross. They fall at the stoning of Stephen. They are diminished throughout the book of Acts. And in Acts 28.28, they are cast away. And the nation of Israel is not God's favored nation today, nor has it been since this time. Now, we're going to see next week and the week after that, that Paul is very clear that they will be again one day. But today, their, their, their uh, state is broken olive branches, broken off of the tree broken off of the root of Abraham, and we'll see that next week, uh, that nation is uh, is an unbelieving entity um, like all the rest of the nations of the earth, no longer God's favored people. Partially and temporarily, but nevertheless, cast off. So, that again, that doctrine that we're seeing there in these verses is is, is extraordinarily important in understanding what God's doing today. Where you stand today, where the nation of Israel stands today, where you're going to stand in the future, where the nation of Israel is going to be in the future, and what God's going to be doing in the future—the uh, the dispensational significance of Romans 9, 10, and 11 there is, uh, is extraordinarily profound and, and important. And Paul gives the doctrine; Luke gives the history, and and. And those two things come together that way. We'll leave it there.